It's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you'll be swept off to. That's what Gandalf the Grey told Frodo Baggins at the beginning of their adventure. Have you ever felt like life is like that road? Like you've been swept away, you don't know where you're going, you don't know where to put your feet to hold on? Well, that's what we're here for today. We're here to talk about the Wildwood, where all the crazy things happen, where all the wild stuff happens, and you just don't know which direction to go. Today, I'm going to bring you some words from the Wildwood that'll help you keep your feet. Welcome back, everybody, to our podcast today. We're coming up on the month of July. I cannot believe that half the year is gone already. This Tuesday will be the 4th of July, American Independence Day. So happy 4th of July to everybody out there. If you're not in the U.S., don't worry. You have independence to celebrate the independence of being set free from sin by the blood of Jesus Christ. Yes, every single Christian has an Independence Day, and it's the day you gave your life to Christ. So on this Tuesday, if you don't have an Independence Day to celebrate in the country where you live, you can celebrate your independence, your being set free, not from the uh, reign of a country, but from the reign of sin that was in your life. Let's go back to it tonight. We are in the book of Habakkuk one last time. We're going to finish up the old book of Habakkuk tonight. What's been happening? Habakkuk sees evil in his country. He is upset. He is perplexed. He is wondering, God, you are so powerful. Why do you let this go on? Lord, I see all this evil. How can you allow this to happen? Twice, he asks God these questions. He wants to know, and he is so set on it, He stands on the wall and says, Lord, I'm going to stand here on this wall until you answer me, till you tell me what I want to hear. And that's usually the way it goes, folks. We want God to tell us what we want to hear. We want God to give us an answer that we can accept, not always the truth. So where are we tonight? Today, God has pronounced woe on the five sins he sees in the Chaldeans' lives. You know, Habakkuk says, what are you going to do about this, Lord? What are you going to do about this terrible situation? And God says to him, for these five things, I will punish the Chaldeans and they will know my wrath. So Habakkuk has his answer. Now that he has his answer, what can he do? How can he respond to this incredible revelation that God's given him? Very simple. The same way that we respond whenever God shows us something from his word, from the scriptures, from a sermon, from any any other way that we are interacting with God. It could be a time of prayer, a prayer devotional journal. Whenever God shows you something, here's how you respond. God has spoken and I must believe. Remember the word believe isn't just something in your head. It's how you live your life. Typically, the word believe is the word pestuo, to trust in, cling to, and rely upon the one who has said what they have said. So we must cling to God whenever we say, I believe what he has said. So Habakkuk responds to God with four heartfelt requests. If you look at these four requests in chapter 3 of the book of Habakkuk, you will see prayers that maybe you yourself have uttered in the last week or the last month or the last year. The first request that Habakkuk makes in light of what God has shown him is this, Lord, remember us. 
Lord remember us. I think many times we feel like God has forgotten us or that we have drifted so far from the Lord that he can't uh, see us or he can't hear us and that we're alone in the world. Remember, a believer is never alone. Why? You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You cannot be separated from God. Your sin may silence or make it difficult to hear the movement of the Holy Spirit, but he's always there. Let's take a look at it. He says, Lord, remember us. Habakkuk 3.1. It says, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to Shiganoth. Let's stop right there. What is a Shiganoth? A Shiganoth was a type of music used in the worship of God. It was wild. It was enthusiastic. Think about any song you've heard in church. Think about any praise chorus that's wild and enthusiastic. Perhaps there's drums or there's tambourines or there's a driving beat on the bass. Uh, that's a Shiganoth. It's, it's a celebratory uh, type of song. But it's also a heartfelt cry to God. We can cry out to God in the most enthusiastic way when we see that there is a God who will answer, and so we cry out to him. He says, this is a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shiganoth. Lord, I have heard the report about you. Lord, I stand in awe of your deeds. Revive your work in these years. Make it known in these years. In your wrath, remember mercy. See, the entire Old Testament is full of nothing but praise for God, but also warnings that we should not go against God, that we should not forsake him. When he sent them into the promised land, he says, you go in there and you keep my word and I will always be with you. But if you turn aside from me, if you go chasing after these other gods, these fertility gods, these life gods, power gods, these gods of wealth and success, you chase after them and you will, you will reap what you sow. You will get the destruction that a life of ungodliness brings about. So it says, Lord, I stand in awe of everything that you have done and everything that you've just shown me. It says, revive your work in these years. It seems like America is so far gone that the world is so far gone that there's no way back. But remember this prayer, revive your work in these years. I want you to consider today, does your life need to be revived? Do you need to have God come in and do something fresh, do something exciting, wake you back up, shake you back up so that you can have this passionate life again? Make it known in these years in your wrath, remember mercy. He has said, that the people of Judah are going into captivity for 70 years. For 70 years, they will be away from home in a foreign land, oppressed by foreign people. But after that 70 years, he is going to bring them home. He says, go, establish lives, have families, plant vineyards, build houses. You're going to be there for a while. But then when the time is complete, I will bring you home. That's what we live in today. We live in that hope that God has prepared a place for us with him in heaven. And that when the day comes, he will come, retrieve us, and we will be with him. Until then, in your wrath against mankind, remember mercy. It says, God comes from Temen, the Holy One from Mount Parah, Selah. Selah lets us know that this is a song. Selah is a command to the choir to be silent. They would sing a triumphant um, chorus like, you know, the hallelujah, and then say la, quiet, a peace, a chance for what has been said to sink in. 
So whenever you see this word Selah, especially in the Psalms, you know that this is a pause to meditate on what you just heard. So God comes from Temen, the Holy One from Mount Perah. Pause. His splendor covers the heavens and the earth is full of his praise. That's the entire book of Psalms right there. His brilliance is like light. Rays are flashing from his hand. This is where his power is hidden. This is showing us a picture of this victorious God. At the beginning of Habakkuk, Habakkuk really had his doubts about, is this the God of Israel? Is this the God I've heard about since I was a child? Many people grow up in church and they hear stories about God. They hear stories about Christ, but they don't believe it. They're just stories until we get a glimpse of his glory, his majesty, and his power. Look in the world today. You can see the hand of God at work. I Trust me. Look, and you will see the hand of God totally at work. This is very similar to something that we see in Psalm 7, verse 1. In fact, Psalm 7, 1 begins with this. A Shiganon of David, which he sang to Yahweh concerning the words of Cush, a Benjamite. He says, O Yahweh, my God, and you do I take refuge. Save me from all my pursuers and deliver me. That's exactly the prayer that we have. Lord, I'm being chased down. I'm being hunted down by these people who hate me. They want to kill me. But God save me because you are the only refuge I have. And by the way, the only refuge you will ever need. So the Shekinah of David here in 7.1 gives us light on what exactly um, Habakkuk is talking about. So the very first thing he wants you to see is this. This cry out, Lord, remember us. Well, the second heartfelt request is right after it. It starts in verse 5. It says, Lord, show your might. Lord, show your might. It says in Habakkuk 3.5, Plagues go before him and pestilence follows in his steps. Definitely a reference to the deliverance from Egypt, the, the ten plagues on Egypt. Pestilence, plague. And these were things that the Hebrews were very familiar with because they were the story of their deliverance. Verse 6 says, He stands and shakes the earth. He looks and startles the nations. The age-old mountains break apart. The ancient hills sink down. His pathways are ancient. I see the tents of Cushion in distress. The tent curtains of the land of Midian tremble. Are you angry at the rivers, O Lord? Is your wrath against the rivers? Of course not. His wrath is against those who do evil. Or is your rage against the sea when you ride on your horses, your victorious chariot? Another reference, of course, to the deliverance that we see when the uh, children of Israel are leaving Egypt, when they're leaving slavery. They're going through the Red Sea. It says, though, that the, uh, the chariots of God had gone through the waters, opening the way, and they had gone through, and then they had closed it up uh, when the Egyptians tried to follow them. But we also see this in Nahum. Nahum chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Now listen to this, and you'll see the, you'll see the similarity with what you've already read. It says, the mountains quake before him. The hills melt. The earth heaves before him. The world and all who dwell in it. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and the rocks are broken into pieces by him. 
another picture of a powerful God, not a weak God, not a weeping God. The God that we see today lifted up in the press, lifted up in the secular world is a powerless God, a toothless God, an old God who is weak, who can no longer do anything in the world, a God who's been closed out by the intelligence and the power of man. This, this fake image of who God is needs to be erased. Jesus was a man of peace, but he is also this God. He is also God incarnate. He is the one who makes the mountains quake. The hills do melt. The earth heaves before him. As we went through the book of Revelation, you saw what was going to happen on the earth in those days when he returns. This is before the fall of Jerusalem. This is before Judah is lost to King Nebuchadnezzar. And he is saying that when God wants to, he can be this God of power, this God of deliverance. It's, it's amazing to us. The next, um, in, the next place where he implied, and boom, wow, sometimes it would really be help if you could get your lips to go the right way. The next time he implores God, there we go, we got it that time. The next time he implores God, he says, Lord, save us. Lord, save us. Habakkuk 3, 9. He's just talked about power, the power of God. He's just talked about God's ability to affect the earth. And now he's going to say, now, Lord, take that power and save us. Habakkuk 3, 9. You took the sheath from your bow. The arrows are ready to be used with an oath. Selah. So peace. Consider that. The sheath from your bow. The arrows are ready to be used with an oath. That's, this shows the immediacy of judgment. If we consider today all the things we see in the media, all the things we see in the paper or on TV or on the internet, God could be standing right there ready to make that trumpet call, to call the church home, to loose the horsemen, and to begin the time of tribulation. It's like a bow pulled back, ready, straining to strike. And it, this shows us that God is ready to act at any moment. It says, then pause, consider that. Remember, Habakkuk has had to deal with the fact that Jerusalem will be lost. Jerusalem cannot be saved. The people of Judah cannot be kept from Nebuchadnezzar's grasp. He knows it's lost. He knows it. So he has to be ready for the God who lets them go into captivity, for that God to come and bring them home again. He says this, you split the river, you split the earth with rivers, the mountains see you and shudder, a downpour of water sweeps by, the roar the deep roars with its voice and lifts its waves high. Sun and moon stand still in their lofty residence at the flash of your flying arrows, at the brightness of your shining spear, you march across the earth with indignation. You trample down the nations in wrath. You come out to save your people, to save your anointed. You crush the leader of the house of the wicked and strip him from foot to neck. Selah. We pause again. This great leader is going to come and take Jerusalem. This Nebuchadnezzar, this leader of the Chaldeans is going to come. He is going to do this, but God is prepared to take his vengeance on the Chaldean people. He will come and he will strike down this mighty leader, this mighty city. He will destroy it in its time. But God's timetable is his timetable, not ours. Not when we want him to do it, but when he wants to do it. Verse 14 says, you pierce his head with his own spears. His warriors storm out to scatter us. 
gloating as if ready to secretly devour the weak. You tread the sea with your horses, stirring up the great waters. Here's God at work again, doing this mighty and this powerful work. And we don't always see what's happening, but it's always happening. Somebody once said that there's a spiritual war going on out there. And that if we could see with spiritual eyes, we would see angels and demons going about the work that's been appointed to them. And we would be stunned at how much activity there is around us. Look at the world today. Look at what's happening. And I tell you, there's things going on that we just don't see. But we have to know that this is the God we serve. This is the God who will come for us. This is the God who will deliver us. <coughs> Let's keep going. If you want to take a picture of this, if you want to see what this looks like, especially verse 13, you come out to save your people, to save your anointed. Consider 2 Kings 19. Not a book we often go to. 2 Kings 19, 34 through 36. You may have heard a reference to this, but you may never have read the story. The city is under siege. And this is what it says. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. So God has said, yes, you're under siege. Yes, there's all these enemies out there, but I'm going to save this city, not because of you, but because of my sacred holy name and because of my swear to David. It says, And that night the angel of the Lord, the angel of Yahweh, went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when people arose early in the morning, behold, there were all the dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went home and lived at Nineveh. A single angel of the Lord went out in one night and destroyed 185,000 people. And they, and I've heard uh, people go, you know what? Well, this is obviously a tale. This is not true. How could one angel do that much damage? How, how could one angel destroy so many? And I say this, consider Satan was an angel. He was a cherub that covereth. He was a single entity, a single being. And how much death and destruction has he wrought on the earth with his lies? We don't know what happened that night, but we know that 185,000 Assyrians were slaughtered by a single angel of the Lord sent to do his duty. If you don't think God can defend you, if you don't think God can open a door for you, if you don't think God can put you in the right position to do his will in your life, then you need to rethink and look at the God you serve. Habakkuk knows. Judah's going down. They're going to lose. But this God who will let them be taken will also bring them home by the hand of Cyrus, the Medo-Persian. We get down to the very last part, and we have another a heartfelt prayer from Habakkuk for his people. It says, Lord, we believe in you. You know, we believe in you. Our faith is in you. We, we, we cling to you. And it's done in Habakkuk 3.16. He says, I heard and I trembled within. My lips quivered at the sound. Rottenness entered my bones. I trembled where I stood. Now I must quietly wait for the days of distress to come against the people invading us. You see, this is his confession. Lord, I'm confessing to you. You have shown me the truth. You have told me what will happen. I read it in the heavens. You've shown it to me. I accept, O oh Lord that this is going to happen and nothing I can do will stop it. 
Then verse 17, though the fig tree does not bud, and there is no fruit on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, there, though there be no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet, which means in spite of this, in spite of everything I've just said, even though there's no food, there's no cattle, there's nothing, we're desolate, yet I will triumph in Yahweh. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Yahweh, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights. People try to go hiking and the rocks fall and they move aside and they become unsteadily and they fall. I've seen people fall off of mountains 900 feet in the sky and they just go over the edge because they got too close or the, the footing was uneven. But this says, if I trust in God, my footing will always be solid, will always be sure. Consider the man who built his house on the rock. When the storm came, the house didn't move. Why? The footing was sure. But the man who built on the sand, as the sand moved, he moved. A lot of people are clinging to false religion today. A false religion of God wants you healthy. He wants you wealthy. He wants you successful. He wants your cosmetic surgery to go good. He wants your Mercedes to shine in the daylight. He wants your multi-million dollar house to always be the envy of all your neighbors. That's a lie of the devil. That is not what God wants for us. God wants for us to be rock solid in our relationship to him. Whether you have a multi-million dollar multinational company or whether you work at a 7-Eleven, wherever it is God has put you, the number one thing in your life should be your relationship with God. Married men and women, you want to have a good marriage? Have a solid walk with Jesus Christ. If that is straight, everything else gets straight. And then we see, as we look at this, and he says, you know, I'll, yet I will triumph in Yahweh. We can go back to the book of Daniel, chapter 9. Daniel 9, 17 through 19, and we read these incredible words. It says, Now therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy and for your sake, O Lord. Make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. The house, the house of God is empty, it's broken, it, it's torn. But Lord, shine your face on it. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations. See the shape that we're actually in. And the city that is called for your name. Of course, we're talking about Jerusalem. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness. I wish all of you could write this down and understand this. We do not present our pleas before God because of our righteousness, but because of his great mercy. Oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. Oh my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Church, you are called by the name of Jesus Christ. That is your Lord, your Savior, your Master, your everything. And we are called by his name. And so we say to them, Lord, let my life reflect your holiness. Let my life reflect your godliness. Uh, if people who are out there in the world would be kind and loving and sweet and generous, the whole world would be a better place. 
Somebody once said the only problem with Christians in the world is Christians. The Christians don't act like Christians. They don't talk like Christians. They don't behave like them. They don't have mercy. They don't have grace. They are full of envy and spite and jealousy. And they're full of all of the same things that weigh the world down. We should be a light in the darkness, not more darkness in the darkness. When Habakkuk came to the end, he realized he was facing the end of the city that he knew. But he knew that his God was there. It's like the old saying, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep in his hands all of the things that I've committed him against that day when we are brought home into heaven. Every day I have to trust the Lord that my home will be safe, that my birds will be safe, that my wife and daughter are safe, that I can get us to and from work, and that he will bring into my presence, bring into my life, somebody that I can share this hope with. My prayer for you is this. As we finish up the book of Habakkuk, may God bring people into your life this week that you can share this message with so that they can have hope and that they can know that there is a God beyond all of the tragedy we see in the world today. Until we get together again next week, may God bless you, keep you, may he make his face shine on you and give you a clear path. Have a great day and God bless. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in today to listening to our programs. We appreciate your attention. We present this for you as a way of building up God's people, giving you hope in these dark days. They are presented to you commercial free. We don't solicit money from any companies, Bible organizations, or churches. We put it out there because we believe wholeheartedly that the Word of God is the only hope this country or any country could have. Because we present it to you commercial free, we do ask you to search your heart. If you feel the need to support us in any way, it, it, could be a, it could be a love offering, a gift, send me enough for a cup of coffee. I'd really appreciate it. You can send all support to Richard Stidham, S-T-I-D-H-A-M, Richard Stidham at Box 1321. Baytown, Texas, 77521, and everything you send to us will be used to keep this podcast on the air. Have a great day. God bless, and remember, keep looking up. Our salvation is drawing near.